You are listening to the Sickleton Noise Podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Supported by RCF. For over 70 years, RCF's passion for perfection is the driving force behind designing professional audio products and creating unique experiences for venues around the globe. The HDL 50A 4K, the latest large format active three-way line array system, is no exception. Learn more at rcf-usa.com for the latest news and product information. RCF, the sound behind the experience. For the most comfortable headphones that you can wear all day, check out the Audix Pro Studio range starting at just $99. Find out more at audixusa.com. Allen and Heath has asked us to read this. Food for thought. There is no egg in eggplant, not ham and hamburger, neither apple or pine in pineapple, English muffins weren't invented in England, or french fries in France. What a world we live in. I wish I could break free Back to where I'm supposed to be Welcome to the Signal Noise Podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. How was that one, Chris? That's that's, that's good. It's pretty. It's, 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 it's pretty sterile, but it but it works. It wasn't. It, it was wasn't sterile. Was yeah. it? Wow. Was it lacking? Emotion? Well, it, it didn't have. It didn't have too didn't much life on a, to it. Take you but on it a did, journey. <laughs> it, 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 it did the job. It did the job. It's okay. We established who what this is. You know. Okay. You're Michael. And I'm Chris. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm Michael. Chris is here and. Uh, Please welcome back to the show one of our favorite guest hosts of all time, Mr. Mr. Rogers. Oh, sorry, Custer. Yeah. Custer. Hello, 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 the Mr. Rogers and, of audio. Yep, in the, in in a very comfortable chair. Yep, and uh, Chris, uh, what do we what do we have going on this week with our guest, man? Who do we? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we don't have any housekeeping, so we, yeah, we could just yeah. we could just jump right into it. Um, yeah. So we've talked about some broadcast things in the past, um, specifically like Jerry Palumbo and. Um, um, Andrew Stokely and some others and I don't know I'm intrigued by broadcast and it's fun to talk different things and I figured uh, there's probably one person who intersects more least sports broadcasts um, than anyone in our industry and that's Kevin Cleary so I think we bring Kevin Cleary also Kevin welcome to the podcast thank you very much Chris it's great to be here uh, I, I noticed there isn't an applause track so I'm oh sorry if, uh, you <laughs> add that in post there. Uh, yes oh, we, we, we do so much heavy post editing it's not even funny yes no, <laughs> <laughs> no I um, what's so it's funny I um, you you told me when we were trying we, we've actually been trying to make this happen for a year now but you're rather busy so this is hard to make this happen we have, and, and and i'll start by saying I'm, i apologize uh we were uh during last year's world series we were we were trading uh uh emails and and, and messages trying to get it to happen and we were all set to do this in january uh right after the national championship and uh, i got home to a wife who's sick with covid Mm. And I had to postpone. So um, shout out to my wife, by the way. So if you've ever tried to uh, do your wife's job, I can tell <laughs> you that it is very difficult. It's much harder <laughs> than than you would ever imagine it is. And so, uh, you know, shout out to her because at the at the time where I was supposed scheduled to be on, I was uh, I was doing both my job and her job and her job is significantly harder um, than mine. Uh, so thanks for uh, being patient. 
Uh, so I'm I'm gonna the the best way to maybe intro or give context of what you do. I'm gonna read verbatim what you messaged me a year ago. <laughs> you said, uh, "If you didn't know, I'm the guy who is dumb enough to be in charge of audio for ESP and remote events. Yes, all eight thousand plus of them." <laughs> wow. I mean, hold, so let's, all right, so you are, and we were talking before, so like, hey, what's your title? And you're like, your title's just, I don't know, specialist at ESPN. So can you maybe at least give us a little bit of scope of what does it mean to be a specialist at ESPN? So I, I can give you some background. Um, it, 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 ironically, since we've spoken, my, my, not only has my, uh, my title has changed, but I also now, now I work under the Disney Media Entertainment Distribution Group. So while ESPN is the primary uh, focus of my, my efforts, uh, I do have Disney Media Entertainment Distribution as my, um, my I guess, parent company. You know, Disney's always been our parent company. It's where the check comes from. I get it. Yeah. Uh, and and as, long as, I'm, as long as I'm on that, uh, that note, let me get some legal stuff out of the way. Uh, any opinions or endorsements or recommendations or things that I just – that I. I talk about on this podcast are purely my own. They're not any type of uh, not to be construed as any endorsement by the Walt Disney Company or ESPN for for anything that I say. Uh, uh, hopefully, I'll I'll keep myself out of out of trouble. Uh, I, I must say, Michael, real quick, hold on. That's a that's a that's a first that we've had a guest do a legal statement. I like it. It's it's good. I mean, we probably should have done it a long time ago, but um, that's 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 good context. I like it. <laughs> I mean, I the problem is like I I'll still. It's just like, well, these opinions are my own, but like they're still <laughs> shitty opinions. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, it doesn't save me anything, any grief. You know, people still be like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, you know, with that said, um, you know, while I I do kind of work as a technical manager, if, if that's the uh, the proper term these days, uh, and I do work on uh, as many of the events I can. Uh, we there is a subgroup. Uh, within ESPN that's kind of tasked with overseeing and trying to enable and help all of the audio engineers and the operators, both uh, both in-house and also, you know, in our remote events. And uh, that number was a was a real number. We really do uh, 8,000 plus events a year. That's crazy. Which is, um, yeah. To, so, so while I, I say that, yes, I, I certainly am uh, a supporter and, and, and helper for the folks out there at the field. There's, there's so many of them and there's so many events. It's, it's virtually impossible to keep your finger and your tabs on all of them. But uh, I do work within uh, Disney media entertainment distribution. I got to keep saying yeah. that. Um, I do work within, within the, uh, the management group that kind of uh, puts up policies and procedures and, and basically establishes the workflow and, and the things that we need for our shows. Uh, one of the interesting things that, that, come to light is uh in and right now we're we're in a transitional period where a lot of our shows are moving into uh the next wave of audio so Mm. so it used to be uh, a million years ago back when i was a child it was a mono signal everything was mono it was one channel of audio and everything was was all groovy and then it went to stereo uh so you know if you have if you have mono you're looking at at a signal no one can see me, right? This is, this is just a podcast, right? So, so yeah, you're good. for you guys, for your own uh, knowledge. So if you're looking at mono, you're looking at a signal like this, and then you go to stereo and you're looking at a signal like this. And then uh, in 2010, when uh, I worked with a, with a group uh, within the company to 
push forward and, and create a 5.1 native from site, then you're incorporating all of this as well. So you have more of an immersive thing. And now as we start to look at uh, the new generation of things with the Dolby Atmos and, and some of the other immersive experience and the object-based audio um, things, we're, we're looking at now, not only do we have this, but we also have this portion of it too. So we're looking at a, at a height speakers and, and adding things that, that truly take the listener into an immersive uh, experience. Wow. So, so I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm answering your question properly, but what I can say is that as we move the needle forward, you know, we're constantly in, and sports because it's so prolific and because there's so much of it. Um, one of the things that I've been able to do is I've been able to actually help folks who mix music for broadcast uh, because the, some of the things we've learned doing sports really apply to music even more so than uh, you would think because you know if you think about it you've got a vocalist in our case announcers then you have players uh, on a stage playing instruments and in our case it's the effects that you hear the pops the cracks the the, the knocks the the sneaker squeaks, you know, those things. And then you have the crowd, which is the kind of the third layer on top of it that has to be, you know, incorporated into the mix. And so, you know, one of the things that we've, we've been able to learn you know, throughout the broadcast chain, which has been helpful for a lot of the other mixers um, that are out there is, is basically showing them there are some tricks to kind of fool the downstream processors. So, Every broadcast goes through, whether it's sports, entertainment, um, you know, any any live broadcast goes through a myriad of downstream processors that happen outside of the purview of of you know what happens. And while we don't do very many um, entertainment shows, we do we do some. Mm-hmm. And I've taken some of the things I learned in sports and turned that into uh, really a, a good benefit for the the education of mixers when we're doing our entertainment shows in order to enable them to realize, wow, that's why the announcer is bare of the announcer. I'm sorry. The lead vocal is buried in the mix. You know, I, it sounded, I, my, my worst, the, the thing I hate the most is when someone says, well, it sounds great in the truck. Hmm. Well, it doesn't matter what it sounds like in the truck. Quite frankly, it matters what it sounds like on your couch. So it, you know, if it sounds great in the truck, that that placates maybe the band or the you know the folks who are charged in management. But but if it doesn't sound good at home, then it doesn't really matter what it sounds like in the truck, right? Sure. <laughs> so so one of the things that we you know we 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 so I'm taking some of these techniques and things that we do on the broadcast side uh, for sports and kind of incorporated them back into our entertainment shows and in the and the things that we do when we do like I'm. Uh, right now, I'm preparing for the Heisman Trophy presentation, which is uh, December 10th at uh, Jazz at Lincoln Center in New York City. Uh, shout out to Heisman Trust. Um, little plug there for those, <laughs> 8 Central or 8 Eastern, uh, 7 Central. So um, we're, we're actually, we actually have a band that plays as opposed to playing music to break. Oh, okay. We actually have a band that plays interstitial music and bumps to break and things like that. And so, um, I actually have the have the uh, the luxury of having one of my dear friends, John Harris, come in, and he mixes the uh, the band for the for the Heisman show. And like I said, some of the things that we've worked on in 
sports translate over to what he's doing for a music portion of the sports of this, you know, entertainment broadcast. That's awesome. I, I'm one of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, I mean, you know, like Stokely does a good job of breaking down a lot of, um, you know, techniques. Like various. So if people don't know Andrew Stokely uh, over the pandemic, I do. He I had just a in Toronto with him actually, um, the beginning of uh, October. Yeah. No. I, I, yes. And I, I, I'm sure you know him. I'm saying maybe some of our listeners don't know who Andrew Stokely is. He he did um 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 some, some podcast series during the pandemic um, called Idle Hands, interviewing all of the top a lot of the top sports broadcast mixers, and and they get in very nitty gritty in a lot of mixing things. But I'm curious. One of the things that I was interested in talking to you about, Kevin, was you know like one of the things that Jerry Palumbo had said was like, oh, I can um. I can I can listen to this. Um, she was more like NFL side of things, but like I can listen to this, and I I know this person's mixing. This person's mixing from a sports game, and I found that fascinating because like you know it's like in a rock and roll world, it's like oh that's Pooch, that's Rabel, that's whatever. But I'm curious for you as a brand with ESPN with Disney, um, th- there has to be um, in some ways. Uh, honestly, like if I was watching the World Series, I wouldn't have been able to tell if it was a different truck, a different mixer, if it was the same person the entire time, or uh, there had to have been different mixers because if there's multiple games happening at the same time, they're still at the same quality. Um, so, no, how same do mixer. You, uh, well, yeah, within the World Series, I'm talking about like if there was um, multiple, like before the series, so like championship, like division series and things like that, there had to have been multiple, they weren't all at the same time. There were because there were different there were different networks, right? So okay. like like so like we did the wild card series. I had four different mixers. Um, okay. We had and and during the uh, like the the division series, both Turner and Fox had different mixers. And then as you move forward to the championship series, Turner and Fox had different mixers. And then for the World Series, it was one mixer, and it was just Joe Carp who did, who went back and forth from city to city. Um, but so as a, I mean. As a as a as a brand, the highest sports brand, basically there is, quite frankly. Um, how do you do you? Um, is there a sonic signature or like how, how, what is your quality control process as an entity that's responsible for that many sports broadcasts? So we we do have some policies and procedures that we put out for our A ones. Uh, it, it basically lists, you know, how we expect our, our show to be delivered. We spend a significant amount of time uh, working through that with them. And, and like, I can listen to a broadcast, and I'm not saying I can say specifically from network to network who it is. Um, maybe Jerry's got better ears than I do. Uh, but I can say <laughs> that I can tell network to network what it sounds like. So I can listen to a CBS NFL game and know that it's a CBS game versus a Fox NFL game versus a, an ESPN any, NFL game. Is there anything you could just say, like, is there a quick characteristic difference without, I mean, you're not like, um, um, and if, it, if it's a demeaning thing, don't worry about that. I just, but, <laughs> but like, what, what is it like if, if I were to go, because like, I, I watch a lot of footballs and I flip around, I'm very curious, like, is there something I could quickly tune in on to like, Oh yeah, I, I can hear that sonic difference. <laughs> Yeah, so if you're listening to so when you listen if you listen to Monday Night Football, right? So if you listen to Monday Night Football, the the guy that mixes that's a guy named Scotty Prey, he's an excellent mixer, he's been doing it for, for probably longer than I've been alive. Um, and his sub mixer is a guy named Jonathan Freed, who has probably forgotten more about audio than I'll ever know. Uh, and and they I can tell Jonathan's sub mix 
uh, only because I know he uses certain microphones for the surrounds. I've got a full 11.1 surround uh, set up here in my in my little bar man cave area, mm-hmm. and so I can listen to his mix and know only because I can tell specifically for Monday Night Football what his surrounds sound like. Um, mm. w- one of the fun things is what Monday Night Football was one of the first things we ever did in five one and uh, discrete. Discrete five one, not encapsulated five one, which was the kind of the fake five one. It was five uh, one that was encoded onto LTRT and sent back. But we were actually doing true six channels d- directly back to the plant, and uh, I had my five one set up, and and I was actually home that week, and I was talking to Jonathan, and there was a woman who was sitting near his left rear surround crowd mic that kept screaming. Throw the effing ball. Throw the effing ball. <laughs> and and he, you know, in past iterations, no one would ever hear that because it was encapsulated into a into an LTRT, so it didn't break out as it kind of broke out. But it was it was noise back there, but it wasn't specific channels. Sure. And and I I called him on the phone at a commercial break, and I said, Jonathan. Who's that woman in the left rear surround screaming, throw the effing ball? And he goes, oh, my God, you can hear that. And I said, <laughs> yes, I can hear that. And he's like, we've done it. It, it works. Um, right. So that was that was literally like one of those. That was almost those, a pat on the back, actually. <laughs> it was one of those incredible moments, like, you know, in, in, in audio for, for our network. Because, you know, I, I, I say going from stereo to 5.1 in, in, in a network that never stops literally never stops broadcasting is a lot like doing a heart transplant on a guy who never stops running a marathon. Hmm. Right. So you, you can't just decide you're going to change something. Oh, well, you know, we've got all week to figure it out. We don't have a game till Saturday. We've got seven games on one Wednesday, 12 games on Thursday, 15 games. Like, so we never have the downtime to say, well, let's just change it all over now. You know, what's yeah. what's the good day to do that? Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> everybody want to get, get on the same schedule kind of thing. So it, it really is kind of neat um, to be able to change the way people hear things. Um, and, and it's, you know, to your point earlier about, can I tell the difference between individual mixers? I don't think I can. I can tell the difference between uh, how different networks sound uh, just by the virtue of their processing and, and what their what type of compression they have, what type of uh, you know boxes they have that, that are downstream, and then it's all basically uh, kind of changing with the advent of streaming services. So as we go from a, what used to be a, a direct consumer based, either it's a cable network or it's a, a linear over the air network, now we're talking about there's a streaming network that takes a completely different approach and has a different process for the broadcast. So as, you know, as the streaming networks become online and become much more, much more prevalent, uh, you know, in the beginning, streaming only took a 24 kilobit signal. So every signal that we had that came into the plant at 48K had to be down converted to 24K to go out on the streaming network, which is something no one ever thinks about, you know, when they're outside the broadcast world, you know, once your your show's your show and it goes out and there it is. And and but but we have so many other um, 
processes and so many other. Imagine if you are mixing a live band and after your mix, there was a whole nother rack of equipment somewhere else in another city that all your stuff had to go through before it got to the people in the audience. And that's kind of what it's like. So if you're, if you're, you know, trying to take a live sound to broadcast sound you know, comparison, it's, it's like having six or seven other mixers that are automated inside of a piece of equipment downstream of you who all kind of have their own settings and their own kind of, uh, you know, things that they want to do or the way they, they process things and the way they, they mix things and the way they, they input and output things uh, that are between you and the, and the customer. Yeah. It sounds terrible. It is. Um, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> so we'll get back to my first comment. Like I'm the guy stupid enough to say yes to this. You know, it's, it's kind of what it's like, you know, you really, you really find yourself in a position where it's like, wow, <laughs> why did I say yes to this again? I, I'm interested in Custer's the, back, by the way. In case, in case you guys back. haven't been watching, uh, Custer back. is back, he's, and, he's and I think I've been, he's better I've been than having everybody. some like moderate technical <laughs> difficulties. But like, so I am, <laughs> I, I'm super pumped. Like we're having this conversation. Like so, like uh, I've said before that like over the winter for the past few years, NCAA basketball has been my bag, and I've been working on trucks for CBS, ESPN fox for years now and like it's dude mixing the truck is the most terrifying thing in the world to me but put me in an arena with thirty thousand people and i'm cool as a cucumber like there's but it, it is the knowing that there's so much other stuff going on downstream that like feels good in this truck right. but like i really hope this is translating the way that the end users want it to be or expect it to be. And again, with every other, with every network having their own flavor, for lack of a better term, um, it's, it's a bit nerve wracking. Um, and trying to wrap my brain around, uh, like getting through like pre-show transmission and like making sure each one of those audio channels are getting to where they need to go on the output side of things. Um, that's, it's like heady audio stuff. This isn't just like left, right, sub front and does it work or does it not work? Uh, it's it's super interesting. Big fan. I I'm terrified to mix in the truck. Though. Yeah, I will A two and RF A two all day. But I've had a few moments of uh, A one. Just just this past year, A one got COVID. Hey, can you can you mix this show? And I was like, no, but I have to. So sure. And I walk in on like a Calrec, <laughs> like a Calrec Brio, and I'm like. Just tell me where the high pass filter is, man. Brio. I, yeah, Brio. I know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I uh I'm I'm really interested in the adoption aspect of this, Kevin. I mean, you talk about, you know, going from mono to stereo to, to five one to whatever it is now. I mean, what's the adoption rate? I mean, you're still limited by whatever people have in their living rooms, right? So, like, wh- how many people are hey, listening to Surround? So it used to be that. Like, so it used to be um, only, you know, the the 2% of the population had a Surround sound system. And, and all of that has changed with sound bars and virtualized sound bars. So what's, what's happening now is if you go into wherever your local Blue Box store and um, or your 
whatever you buy it on Amazon or you buy it wherever you buy your electronic TV and, and you're, you're excited about putting this big 70 whatever plus inch TV, they either include or throw in the ability to buy a sound bar along with it that is compatible with the TV that is virtualized. So you don't have, um, I used to say this all the time about 11.1 and the adoption is, you know, if, if anyone out here is married and they come home and they tell their wife, I'm going to put 12 of these things in our living room, uh, they better be throw pillows because if they're not, <laughs> they're definitely not going to be speakers. Okay, so um, so the virtualized soundbar has changed that whole paradigm, and it's a shift to uh, virtualized speakers. And and so if you listen to a, a, a five one mix in a virtualized soundbar, and the soundbar is just a regular looking soundbar that, that mounts underneath the TV, which everyone's you know seen before, and I don't think it's it's a big it's a hard sell for the the family dynamic. Um, you know, whereas, you know, rear speakers and height speakers and all those things, you know, can certainly be that way. But but when you're talking about a virtualized soundbar, then then most of the people who have bought high definition television, certainly a 4K TV in the last two plus years, uh, either have a virtualized sound system that's built into the TV or a virtualized soundbar that goes with compatible with the TV. So there's a significant change in how many people are listening at 5.1. We don't have the ability right now to, we don't have a network that's capable of broadcasting 11.1 in Atmos. Um, But those are offerings that are happening um, when, like we do, uh, we're doing all of our college basketball big Saturdays in UHD and 4K, and they will have a Dolby Atmos component to them. And so that's a direct TV offering whereas if you have that specific package you can actually get that downlink on direct tv we've done this for the national championship we did it last year in indianapolis um and uh, shout out to all my technical friends on the national championship for winning the uh, winning the emmy this year throw that out there but um but the reality is there's a lot more people listening and surround now than there has ever been in history. And it's, and the numbers only climbing as people, you know, upgrade their TVs to 4k offerings and, and virtualized soundbars. That's really interesting. I have a, a Sonos soundbar um, and hello to our friend, Sam fine, who, who worked one of the engineers at Sonos that worked on that thing. And um, oh, yeah. boy, it's incredible. It's an incredible piece of technology. And he just got me the sub that goes with it. And um, it's, it's, you know what? I don't remember where I first, read about this, but somebody was making the point that, you know, when we went from big chunky CRT TVs to these flat panels, really sexy flat panels everybody wants, and it was like, yeah, we, we look how much we're clear. We, we took a hit on audio because you can't put good speakers in a TV that's an inch thick, right? So so now the price of having this really, really good image is shitty audio unless you add a sound bar or something to it. So we kind of it was kind of a lateral move in some ways, but you don't realize how much you're missing until you do get the sound bar and then you add the sub just hearing the full bandwidth. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of 30 Hertz in movies and stuff that you don't realize is there until you put, bring the sub back in. You're like, Oh, okay. That's, that's what that sounds like. You know? And I was playing one of the tracks that I used to check PAs uh, out of my system when I put the sub in. I was like, Oh, there's a note down there that I've never heard come out of a PA. 
you know, because because <laughs> yeah. this little sub has better extension than than the big PA. And um, it's it's not an in your face thing, but um, I imagine a lot of it's you know. Uh, people really don't know what they're missing in terms of listening to these little tiny one inch super band limited things that are firing downward out of their screen. Like get a sound bar, yo, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, you're a hundred percent right. I, I totally agree with you when, when it, when it comes to that, you know, the, the, the sad part and you know, it's kind of a, I'll bring it back to the broadcast realm is when we sit in a broadcast truck. Um, and I don't think I've been in one that had a Brio as the, as the main console in a long time, but, um, but, even in, even those trucks, you know, we're listening on a pair of flat reference monitors, right? So we're, we're we've got real, you know, four thousand dollar a piece speakers, you know, and and we're listening in a in a pristine environment, not really pristine environment. I'm joking there <laughs> when I say that next to the generator and the, the marching band outside who's warming up and you know filling all the blanks of all the things that you don't have um, in your favor for creating a good sonic room. But but in the audio control room in the ACR, you're you're talking about a, an environment where you know I've got a million dollar Calrec sitting in front of me, and I've got these you know I've got twenty thousand dollars worth of speakers. So so yeah, it's going to sound great in there. Um, you know, but the you know back to the, my, my old recording studio days when we used to put an oratone on the center center mm-hmm. of the console because everyone's listening on their phone or everyone's listening on you know their mono speaker. You know, so it's it's kind of you know, do we, and, and this is kind of the paradigm where you're, you're always, do we mix for the lowest common denominator? Like, do we mix for what it sounds like on an iPhone or do we mix for what it sounds like in, you know, Michael's new room with a sound bar and a, and a, and a sub? Like, so, you know, you got to kind of split the difference and you're, 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 you're handcuffed by the fact that not everyone has the ability to have those things. And I'm going to need Sam's number, by the way, at the end of this, but, um, <laughs> But not everybody has that ability. But but you know the other side of the coin is do you do you throw those people by the wayside and say well we're, we're mixing for the folks that are listening on their iPhone right so mm-hmm. you know so it, it it really is kind of a um, you know you're you're doing a tightrope dance to to make sure you have a sonic quality that's good enough and and in the monitoring section of the, the console the the, the A ones are are being asked and, and I, I've seen them do this you know they're, they're constantly bouncing between what the five one sounds like, what the stereo sounds like, what it sounds like down mixed into mono, you know, and, and, and back and forth just to, just to make sure that, that all three of those things are, you know, leaving the truck as best yeah. they can. Uh, the interesting part for us is that not only do we have our five one mix, our stereo mix. Wow. Custer's double up. Now there's two of them. <laughs> there's two. I don't know what's going on with my internet. Here. <laughs> I have no idea. I I literally just ran upstairs and threw a hundred foot spool of Ethernet down the stairs to hit my computer down here from the router. <laughs> you know, we were saying that like, uh, it's, yeah, that's one of those things where like my wife doesn't like that I have like hundred foot spools of network just like laying around the house. <laughs> But I needed one right now, so there's that. Just Man, sure what he said. Well, uh, we'll have to listen back to hear what he just said. But anyway, um, <laughs> Ke- Kevin, uh, since we're we're already derailed here, I want to go maybe a different direction here. Um, All right. Uh, the 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 
the broadcast world, right? So the people who are mixing for uh, freaking uh, World Series, Super Bowl, NCAA championship, you know, I mean, these are some elite level mixers, right? Um, mm-hmm. What does the path look like for someone to to get there? Um, is it starting at your your high school level broadcast mixing and then doing college? Is that is that like the minor league getting up? Like how does how does someone progress in doing broadcast mixing? Well, I'd say this. There's two. There's two different ways, right? So, my my experience is I have found folks who mix music are really good at adapting into the broadcast world if they can remember the one golden rule, which is the last thing that matters is how it sounds leaving the truck. The most important thing that matters is whether the producer's Waller has the right thing in it, whether the there's you know whether the the RF talkback works into the Wallers, whether the you know whether the music is properly bussed to the right things. Because you remember we have commercial music, but we also have uh, generic music, and those things have to go to down separate channels. So our commercial music only airs on our live broadcast. Hmm. Our generic music airs on the international broadcast and our re-air broadcasts. So like, so all those other things, like all of the busing and the engineering, that's almost as important. That's probably as important as what it sounds like leaving the truck. And, and I found that music mixers are really good at adapting their way over to that. But with that said, um, you know, the other track is yes, you, you, you would work in, in a college somewhere you would, you know, learn how, what broadcast things are. You, you know, get those kinds of things. You start your life as an A2, mm-hmm. uh, you know, plugging up the, the booth or plugging up the field effects or plugging or working on RF as, as the, uh, the on again, off again, Mr. Custer has done. <laughs> um, and, and, and basically, you know, it's, ha- I've seen it happen more times than not. The A1 gets sick and mm-hmm. it's, Hey, Hey kid. <laughs> It's your turn yeah. on the chair. <laughs> try, try to make those two million people at home happy. Good luck. Yeah, it, it's it's funny that you said that you think um, a music mixer would translate well because I think um, uh, the the mixing of broadcast is um, is way more. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, is way more um, following directions in Cubase and following a script more than it is mixing this art piece and and melding the sound together. Now I'm not dismissing the art of mixing crowd mics and all these other things, but the the correlation I'll make is I recently had the experience to mix like a live college game at at a stadium. And I I was the in stadium mixer, which is similar to broadcast. It's not the same. I'm not not going to say it's the same. Uh, (laughs) It's not even close. Uh, but what, what no I what I'm what, what I'm saying is similar in that like I have a cue sheet, I have announcers, right. I have video playbacks, I have I, I have mixing to, in the stadium is equivalent to mixing a studio show. Okay. Right. So one of the things that's interesting about sports broadcasts is the only other person other than the um, than the producer that has creative control is the A one. Hmm. So. So he's not following a script. He's following the game. He's following the action. He's mm. following like so so when a director cuts to camera two, 
camera two is a high camera. Say we're talking football right. now. Camera two is a high camera. Well, what's he shooting? That's that's the creative part process where the camera two is gotcha. seventy yards off the field or whatever it is. You know, depending upon the stadium, sure. camera two is far removed from the field. But he's got a hundred by lens on it, so he's shooting someone that's very on the other sideline. Or he's shooting uh, someone that's somewhere else. So, so the A one has to be like you know when the director says you know ready to take two, the TD will punch two. But then the 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 A one has to figure out well what microphone do I have that's near the guy that camera two shooting, mm. and that has to come like so the creative control there is is entirely in the A one's hands. It's not uh, you're not following a script per se because again the game doesn't isn't scripted. Now, a studio show where you're going to roll this piece and that piece, you're going to talk about this thing, and that's the thing, yeah. and that's you going to happen, that, boom, boom, boom. Uh, you know, and when you're mixing in the stadium, it's like, well, uh, the broadcast truck is going to feed you their effects and their stuff, and you're going to wait, and then, oh, you're going to do an interstitial. You're going to, talk, you're going to sell a promo, and you're going to play right. this, and, and so Time there's out a script. And all this, yep. right? Time out, there's yeah. a script, and you're going to talk yeah. about this and that. You're going to go I, to the I, guy I, down there. I was telling Michael, like I, I so I, I, you know, the 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 one college game I did, I've only done one. I, I literally have a thirty-page script from a college football game that I just mixed. And Michael's like, "That sounds terrible." <laughs> yeah, and I can tell you this, uh, honestly, I've never seen an A one get a script for uh, a live sports game. Like they, they don't okay. exist. Like the A one does not get a script. Um, so even what, but even like so, what I learned about that was like so even if it was like a commercial break or I, I guess it's I guess it's different for, um, hmm, like at least for the in stadium mix, it was like all right, we know there's going to be X amount of timeouts, there's gonna be X amount of downs or whatever. So mm-hmm. if we're going to go into a timeout, we're going to go down. Here's the sequence we're going to go when we do that. So there's not even right. that layout that they no. know of. That, okay, the open is like that. Um, and but there's no script. We'll rehearse the open. It'll be like, okay, we're going to come on the air with. Yeah. It's going to be uh, a pre-tape part on coming off a of red and track red, and we're going to come out. We're going to go on camera. We're going to fade out the music. They're going to talk about something. They're going to go down to the action. We're going to talk about this, and 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 it all happens live. So there's no script. And then once the game starts, you know, honestly, it's it's follow the ball, right? It's follow mm-hmm. the director's cut. It's follow what you're seeing. So every time a viewer sees a camera cut change or something changes, the audio, the audio operator has to be right there with the director, right there with the technical director. So when the technical director punches camera six, the audio that would be there is tracked and is underneath camera six. So if I see fans screaming in the, in the stadium, right, I'll go to that camera mic underneath that handheld camera or if i see you know if camera two shooting a coach on the other side and i know there's some parabs over there we can might might be able to get not necessarily exactly what they're saying but just some some ambient so you can tell he's speaking or screaming then you're going to go for those microphones but but there's no script at all Hmm, for a live sports event so you know when i say it's it's not the same it's I've never seen a script for a game. No, that's, I, I was completely wrong. I, I, I was, yeah. It, it and I don't mean sense. to correct you. Like, like I said, you know, you no, know, please you do. I'm, I'm uh, yeah. I, again, I mixed one in stadium show, so I know nothing. I, I just, I, I, I falsely assumed that it'd be similar. And, and, but now the way you broke it down makes total sense. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest with you, like, like I said, one of the things that, you know, it'll, it'll be, uh, you know, if you're looking at traffic, is what we would call it in the truck, you know, you know, 
you might get closing traffic. You know, the AD might scream out closing traffic is, is X to Y to bed with music, let it roll, and there's right, a 30 right. second, or or you'll get a, a, a one minute dead roll, and you'll dead roll music, and then at some point when we go to the video, you'll open up the fader, and then that way you'll sting on the end to, to go out, you know, with, with the music stinging. But you you won't ever get a script for a live game. They don't exist. You know, there's 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 promo elements and things like that, but it all happens live. So like if there's a lull in the game, the AD will talk to the producer and say, hey, we have these three sales elements. So now's a good time for a Goodyear blimp pop. Okay, and, you know, roll Goodyear and it'll come off the spot box and you'll track that and, you know, Tonight's broadcast is aerial coverage is provided by Goodyear, you know, like, right. but that'll happen. That happens organically. And there's, there's no set time for those things. You know, those commercial breaks happen when they happen. Right. And like, and uh, unlike a stadium show, when we go to commercial, we bird beat our show, which means we mute any audio that's leaving the truck, but we still have it in place. So the, so the IFBs work within the announcers. So the announcers can still talk to the sideline reporter. The, the announcers can still talk amongst each other. The announcers can still talk to the producer while we're bird beat leaving the truck. And then when we come back, we bring it all back and then go live with it. But there's no – like the only thing we'll do in a commercial break is maybe show some video to the announcers about what happened or you know something about, well, hey, interesting fact – that guy right. that just made the interception, he's made four other interceptions. And we have a package. We're going to show it to you. Boom, 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 boom. And then we'll come back. Here's the package. And the announcer will talk over that package and we'll roll some highlight music underneath it. But there's no uh, – it's, it's not scripted in, in any form or fashion. It, it's almost impossible to script yeah. it three hour long no it, 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 yeah, it makes total sense once you break it down that way and, and it's you know and the from an in stadium perspective that you know they're trying to fill space differently than than you guys are right like the, right. like they're trying to fit when there is not actual sport activity happening they have to have a sequence of things that are going to happen whether it's a an mc that's running around a mascot uh commercials what they have to have that stuff baked so, so yeah it's different shows it's completely it, it makes total sense Right. Yeah. Oh. I, I hey, think, whoa, whoa, Custer's back. <laughs> he's Custer's back. He's I'm back. back. <laughs> I'm back. Can you actually hear me? I love it. Yes. Can you actually hear yes. me? Yes. Cool. I think I came in at the part where yeah. like we're using t-shirt cannons to fill stadium time. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, cool. You were you were gone for the commercial break, and uh, no, what what you missed, okay. Custer, is is uh, Chris was uh, he was under the impression that um, that the uh, the game would have some kind of script to it, and there'd be something to follow uh, during the. <laughs> right, yeah. I see him shaking his head. He's, De- I, I definitely to not. Him. He goes, "Correct me if I'm wrong." I'm like, "Well, <laughs> yeah, I've no, never I'm, seen it. I'm, I'm more than happy to be too. wrong all the time." And like the the structure yeah. that I see no, most I mean, often, I, the structure and like, correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but like, uh, it, any any dead ball. In the last minute, we're gonna hit a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back. Like we have like those heads ups of like, okay, um, and I, I, this is at least in like NCAA sports. Um, 
but uh, I, you know, I may be wrong in that regard. But like, there is some kind of structure of like, okay, if we have a play stoppage, we're going to do a third with under a minute left in the quarter. We'll do a quick commercial or something like that. Right, right. You'll get a heads up on that, but you know, usually it's like, okay, um, okay, they're taking a timeout. Let's go to. No, we got to break. Uh, yeah, let's take it. Let's take. It. We'll take. Yeah, we'll yeah, take yeah, it right yeah. Right. Music. Exactly. <laughs> like Chaos. that's that's how it goes. It's, I would it's have really a fucking anxiety attack. That is insane. <laughs> would, that's that that's is so not for me. That's you have I'm no idea. Mix, that is not mixing for me. a truck is terrifying to me. It's terrifying. And 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 it and it is. Um, but after a while, you kind of it becomes your normal, right? You're you're so used to. Uh, you know, I was saying when you're gone, Custer, that that one of the things that's really cool is that the A1 for sports broadcast is the only other person other than the producer that's on site that has creative control over the broadcast. Like, so no one's in there going, "Hey, can you track that microphone or mm-hmm. this microphone? Can you do the? Can you a little bit more of this or that?" Like, it's all on the A1. So, so there's no um, there's no part of this where the you know, the A1 is being directed. There's no script. There's no, you know, uh, it's yep. It's basically there's highlight music. There's commercial music that needs to be bussed to certain places. There's, there's, uh, you know, uh, but other than that, it's it's follow the follow the bouncing ball. I mean, uh, I, I already appreciate literally. broadcast mixers, but that that actually that 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 helps me appreciate them even more. Quite frankly, um, that the art of that. So that that's pretty cool. Um, Kevin, what is the most um, what's the most satisfying part of your job? You're in way different roles since you you don't actually you're currently mixing. I know we have we haven't even talked about your past history, or whatever. But like in in what you do now, um, you get to do you get to be part of these amazing events, Heisman trophies, World Series, Super Bowls, things like that. Um, what what at the end of the day, what was the most what's what's satisfying for you? What what drives you to go back there each day? Okay, so I'll give you a personal experience from this past MLB season. Um, we worked uh, a few years ago. I was at NAB, and I was with my the VP of baseball, and we were walking around, and we were talking to the guys at Quantum about their player mics. And we were, we were talking to them about – I said, listen, I really want the ability to incorporate a microphone and an IFB – in one small compact unit, something that was was easily um, wearable and not necessarily so. An IFB for us is what you would call in-ear monitors in the in the live sound world. So uh, you know, a Sennheiser SK250 with a pair of earphones and you know, and then a a microphone with an antenna and some type of. Uh, I'm sorry, the SK250 is the transmitter for a microphone. Sorry, my bad. Uh, but you'd, you'd, you'd have uh, – basically, you'd have two packs on a player in order to be able to talk to them. And I said, listen, this, it's not going to work. It's really, it's really outside the realm of what players are willing to do, especially if they're going to try and do this in a game. And, and we were getting a lot of pushback, and they were telling us that it couldn't be done. And, they're, they're, and, and, and our basic – push back to them and I I'll do this because everyone at home can't see it, but I can go this yeah. pulling your is, AirPod out. I took my AirPod out. Um, but, but, but yeah, so I have, I have an AirPod that's a, that's a microphone and mm-hmm. 
a listen device, all in yep. this little thing, and it, it transmits to my phone or might be a Bluetooth. You know, and, and that's what I'm looking for. And we, we couldn't find any any joy there. So we were walking around, and I, I, I walked by a section of the hall that had all these different booths in it, and I was kind of walking by looking at something else, and I saw the Fodak hearing aid folks. And I said, you know, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And so we, we, we worked with them for a little while and, and came up with a hearing aid that we could put a broadcast a signal into the XLR and then we could adapt it to work on the 230 megahertz spectrum and and allow us to put a little earphone into somebody's ear, a little hearing aid into somebody's ear, and then <laughs> put a regular player mic on them and we got Major League Baseball this year. We did it a couple times in spring training, and they liked it, and the players liked it, and the Players Association was okay with it. Uh, and and this year was the first year they allowed us to use it live in-game for the whole season. And some of the stuff that we got out of it was gold. I will send you a link to a Vimeo uh, of a sizzle yeah, reel. But it it is, and I'll, I'll get you can send it out to your listeners so that so that they can they can see what I'm what I'm talking about. It it was amazing the amount of uh, some instances. I'll give you some. One is Kiki Hernandez was talking about. There's a guy on second, and he's playing center field, and he says, "Well, if it's hit hard to the right side, you know, I'm going to probably go home because I want to try and keep him from going home." And and depending upon how hard it's hit, uh, you know, I'm, I'm oh. There it is. And he takes off running, picks up the ball, throws it home. He doesn't get the guy, but it was like he literally talked to the fans at home and told them what he was going to do if the ball was hit to the right side, penny pen hard's hit, he's going to throw it home. And he did exactly that right after right after he told our guys in the booth that. And so it was just those little moments, like things like that, and, and you know, being able to add – value to people at home and change the way they listen to and watch the game. So when you talk about Major League Baseball, you know, you see two guys standing on first base and I know everyone who's ever watched a Major League Baseball game, and I certainly have, is always thinking, what are they doing? What are they saying? Yep. What are they saying? <laughs> what are they I saying? wish I could be a fly on the wall and hear what those guys are saying. And the opening uh opening day we were at Atlanta, the world champion, Atlanta Braves um from last year. We opened we opened the season Sunday night baseball there, and we mic'd up Joey Votto, who was playing first base for the Cincinnati Reds, and he was talking. I mean, he was amazing. He was basically auditioning for his next career as a broadcaster because he was the fourth man of the booth, mm. giving. He was giving play by play. He was talking about stuff. He was you know he was he was interacting in our our booth talent. Carl Ravitch and Eduardo Perez and David Cohn are talking to him. You know, Eduardo and David both being ex-players, knowing exactly what you know what he's going through and what he's thinking about out there. And so he was talking. You know, he had he had a couple of folks. Um, Mookie Betts or got on got on base, and and he's he's talking. Hey man, I'm thinking about getting a, a gold tooth. What do you think? Like you know, and it was just. He says, yeah, I've been watching the Masters coverage. You guys are doing a great job. Of, you know, and So we ran a Masters promo while he was talking about it. Like, just things like that. Like, you know, what makes me, uh, you know, want to get up in the morning and keep doing it is, is to change the way 
the folks at home interact with the players on the field and the, and the way that they can view a broadcast differently because of the way the nuanced audio changes their perspective. Like they're listening to this game and they're hearing their, their players and their heroes and, the, and these guys talk about different things and talk about what they, you know, what they're, what they're thinking. They're standing in the field They're talking about different things. And, and it's just amazing to me that, that we can, we can affect people's experience, you know, and, and, and change the way you watch the game. Yeah. It's so freaking amazing that, your answer is literally the same answer as every front of house engineer has been on here, just but in different contexts, right? Like the ex- like like moving a body of people in an experience. It's just your body of people happen to be on a couch at home <laughs> or at a sports bar or wherever versus being in a room. And I love that. Like it's actually the same drive, the same thing, just you know, for the industry. So like that's that you're in, and that's that's freaking amazing. I, I love that. Hey, it's uh, um- Custer. What's up, Cus? <laughs> Fancy ass router just keeps falling apart. I'm on my freaking <laughs> hotspot on my phone just to try to maintain some type oh of stability. Um, are we talking about transmission quality? Is this a topic that we're yes? And, and on your now? transmission has failed, so yeah. Um. Fired, fired. <laughs> Give me the boot. I'm a utility now. I am no longer audio. Uh, <laughs> So I think we'd be, we'd be remiss to not talk about the amount of uh, brass, aka trophies, uh, Emmys that you freaking have. Uh, <laughs> and apparently, so you messaged me. You're like, you're like. Um, also, I just got a new volleyball trophy, so we can chat about that. So what 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 is that about? <laughs> so if you've ever looked at an Emmy, it looks a lot like a volley person holding up a volleyball. Oh, that's what you that's what you mean. Oh my goodness. Now I get <laughs> what you hilarious. mean by a volleyball trophy is an Emmy. Oh my goodness. I my I almost just like first off, you were texting me while we were recording last night and so I was having a hard time responding. Uh, and Michael could attest to this. Um and I'm like, oh volleyball, cool. My daughter plays volleyball. And, like not even getting the correlation to that Emmy, it looks like a volleyball okay. All right. Yeah, we were like doing the show and he's like, Oh, you just won another Emmy. I'm like, what are you doing, man? What are you talking about? <laughs> So the funny, funny story is that, um, uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, let's just say I, I'm not dissuaded with the fact that the, uh, that a trophy is somehow related to your, your importance. And so the people who are most impressed with those are my 10 year old daughters, (laughs) friends, parents, who, (laughs) Um, I live in Orlando, Florida, and um, people think when I when they hear I work at ESPN, they think I work at the ESPN complex down off of Disney down Street, yep. uh, where they they play soccer games and stuff. And so, you know, the the parents will come over to the house for something to drop their kid off for a play date or, or you know for a birthday party or something, and they'll they'll come in and they'll look over and they'll be like, "Where do you work again? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You know?" And I I've 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 used the uh, oh those are my volleyball trophies and and <laughs> folks who don't really get it uh, any a lot of people don't they're like oh wow you must have been really good like you know and they just kind of kind of move on they they actually think they're volleyball trophies oh, they, I, I I fell for it I'm like oh volleyball like I didn't jeez. Oh, I feel like since now all the stress that Custer's endured, like rewiring his fucking house over there to try to get back on. I'm going to give him an opportunity, man. What do you got? I know you want to talk about. I I have a piece of equipment question that I have heard lore of before, Kevin, and it's called the warbler. 
is so, there such a thing that is like auto cuss word detection? No. Like, okay, did not think so. Not not true. Um, a warbler with the, sounds like made up. Um, <laughs> it's like a type of bird. Yeah, no, I don't think yeah. it's like I don't think it's the name of the piece of gear, but I think it's just what it does when like a curse word makes it through <laughs> on air somewhere. I'm seeing a lot. So like the the trend that I'm definitely seeing, I'm sure that you guys are doing it too, is player microphones. Like actually putting microphones on these players for maybe not yeah, on we air. We talked broadcast. about that while you were. Oh yeah, you were super. Oh, when I was when I was like <laughs> getting ready to throw my router in the river. It's gonna be amazing when you get to go back <laughs> and listen you, to this listen episode. Back, yeah, when you listen back to this, Kessie, you're gonna really learn a lot of shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want redemption next week. <laughs> this is your so funny enough. Band. Oh yeah, Custer's last band. It's great. <laughs> um, so I uh, funny little, enough. The little I'm, big uh, horn of Custer. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, little big horn, large <laughs> Sorry. diaphragm. Sorry. No, no. I, I mean, no. I it's okay. Resist. It's okay. No, it's fine. <laughs> I've lived my whole life with that. It's cool. Um, I'm actually doing some stuff. Uh, for ESPN uh, next week in the Bahamas for a few days for a basketball uh, tournament. You were. You were. I just, after this, I actually you just a fired me. Yes. <laughs> I actually just Great. Made a I'll take call. the week off. <laughs> I could do some off time anyway. That's cool. I appreciate it. Actually, I'm down with it. My wife will thank you. Um, oh, you mean just to stay teasing. home? Cool. I'm only teasing you. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, if a- anyone anyone who's willing to put this kind of effort into making their internet work is certainly welcome <laughs> at ESPN and certainly welcome in, on my team any day you, of the week. You passed the test, Custer. You passed <laughs> you the test. Definitely did. He's, he was also oh, like, as good. he's fixing it, he's texting me like, dude, I'm so interested in this too. Like, I'm so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. Like, this has been, like, this is, it is super interesting to me. Um, do you. Do you think that, okay, I guess my first question, do you think that the player microphone and getting mics on these players is only going to grow as part of like the content package that people are going to want for like the the viewing pleasure? Maybe not for on air, but like after the fact for Instagram, for social media and all those clips like that, that people are interested in. So um, in your, in your absence, I'll, I'll, I'll circle back if, if it's okay with Chris and Mike. Yeah, you're uh, good. I'll, I'll circle back. One of the things Chris asked me about, you know, what makes me get up in the morning, you know, what, what keeps me focused on, on doing this. And after, you know, 20 plus years of doing this, why do I, you know, what's my drive? Like what, what makes me, and I gave him a, a an answer that's, that's uh, to his point, a lot like a lot of the front of house mixers in the fact that, uh, we created this thing this year where uh, I worked with a hearing aid company to create a small hearing aid that was able to work as an IFB. And we've put player mics on players every week at Sunday Night Baseball and given them an IFB so that they can become a fourth member of our broadcast booth. And that has been so well received. I can't tell you how well well received it's been to the point where – Folks at home, Twitter. I'm gonna send. You, I'll send Chris a link afterwards to a to a reel that basically highlights all of the fun stuff that we did this year. Uh, but the reality of it is that that I do see this as becoming more prolific, being used much more uh, with the advent as as we work with different companies to increase the technology and and. Uh, what you missed was they, they told me there's no way we can do a, a microphone and an IFB in the same pack. There's like, you know, it's just not possible. And I was like, well, 
case in point, the AirPod. <laughs> the AirPod like, uh, yeah. does exactly that, and and so, uh, but 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 as as we move this the, the broadcast forward, yes, I, in, in to your point, player mics and the ability to interact with a player live during the broadcast. Uh, will would ab- will absolutely become more prolific. Certainly with Major League Baseball, there's um, we had uh, two of the folks from MLB um, brought uh, a sizzle reel to the MLB Players Association meetings. Uh, we are bringing a bunch of our content to the winter meetings in San Diego to present to MLB and the Players Association and the umpires to to basically show them how we've been able to manage this content and bring it forward and and the amount of um, the the amount of exposure it gives for a player and their personal brand, right? Because mm-hmm. these days it's yep. all about personal exactly. brands. Everyone, you know, we were talking about your your OnlyFans account earlier. Um, you know, your personal brand is is certainly one of those things where where <laughs> you know if 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 only people had more of more interaction with you, they they would really they'd really subscribe, right? So you know, if you're a major league ball player and you're 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 thinking about well, I'm doing this for five years. What am I going to do ten years from now? Like, what am I going to do when, when you know, when I'm, when I'm 27 and my career's over? You know, I've got 40 years. I'm to figure way it too out. old to be doing this, right? Yeah. I'm way too old to be doing this, but I've got 40 years. What am I going to sit on the couch? Like, you know, unless you're, unless you're, even like, let's just say Alex Rodriguez made three quarters of a billion, two quarters, half a billion dollars playing baseball. He's he's in the broadcast booth, right? Like. You know, the, yep. it, it's hard to just walk away from a sport you've done your whole life and that you love. So what are you going to do for the next 10, 20, 30 years? And, and if you're a generic player that's been good but not great, you know, how do you get your name and your personality and your brand out there? And the, and, and, and the only way to do that is to interact with the fans and have the fans see who, you know, Joey – we. We used Joey Votto uh, the first week of the season. He's the first baseman of the Cincinnati Reds. I'd never even heard of Joey Votto before. Apparently, he's been in the league for you know forever, and he's going to retire soon. After watching and hearing him, he had I don't know fifteen hundred followers on Instagram. After his first thing on Sunday Night Baseball, he had seventy five thousand followers the next day. So yep. the the. The, the correlation between interacting with the fans and the, the, the ability to talk and listen and, and, and hear what they're saying, what's going through their mind while they're on the field is, is only going to grow. Like, and that's not just baseball. It's going to, it's going to happen you know, in other sports Absolutely. as well. I think baseball, it, it, it lends itself to it. Cause there's guys on the field and you, you, you see them, but you can't hear them. You don't know what they're doing. What are they thinking? The guy's just kind of standing out there in center field with, you know, what's going through his head. He keeps looking at a piece of paper. Yep. I don't know what he's doing. I don't, I've never yeah. played center field for a major league baseball team. I don't know what he's, he keeps moving from here to there, there. What's he doing? So yes. Um, uh, in, in, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, it's, it's good TV too. And even for the, the older audience members, this is something they've never even seen as part of a, a package before. So it's just like a really new experience for everyone who's viewing at home. Um, I did some stuff for uh, the Premier Lacrosse League all last season, and we were doing player mics under the helmet. You know, do a score score a goal. <clears throat> um, we were using the same tech that like the quarterbacks use to call plays. A little, it's it was a little. It worked. 
it wasn't as slick as like a uh, an IFB type situation. Um, but like the speakers inside the helmet for announcers to ask the questions, and players were wearing the Q5X player mics, and we could do live on field interviews after a big moment. And man, it's just it's really good TV, and uh, I I think it's super cool. It was a little tough with lacrosse because like, they're getting hit with metal poles. Um, so like keeping those things safe is a little tough when six foot metal <laughs> poles are swinging at a hundred miles an hour at their back. So I replaced a lot of those Q five player mics, but it was super cool. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's it's just as cool when there's a guy standing at the at at home plate and there's a guy throwing a hundred and two mile an hour ball at him. <laughs> just to, absolutely, you know, and, just and, to, and they're talking casually thinking. as they're as they're making the moves too. That's the craziest part. Yeah, no, we had that with Schwarber. Schwarber was like, he was talking to the booth, and he went over and he checked the like the 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 pitch stat. And he was looking at that, and he came back and 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 our our play by play guy Carl Ravage goes, "Did you just check the pitch stat while you were doing?" Like he's like talking to us. He's like, "Yeah, it was really hard, not gonna lie." <laughs> and then he got the bat. <laughs> it was just like it was just unbelievable. Like he said, "I'll send you." Like when you see the real Chris, you're you're really gonna understand what yeah. I'm talking about, and it's it's hard for me to convey it in in words, you know, without you actually seeing it. But the but the the short answer, uh, and I know this is no nowhere near a short answer, but the short answer is there's no way this won't continue to to procreate and, and move out and become more, yeah, more prolific. That's, as, that's awesome. I'll um I'll ask uh so Sam's not here uh but I'll ask her a question because I, I I love it and it's worth asking so from a broadcast perspective because we haven't talked about your your full career um what's something you wish you knew when you first started um I I, I wish I knew that other people weren't as interested in how it sounded as I was. And when I say how it sounded, I mean the actual, uh, you know, how it sounded at home. You know, when I, you gotta remember, I started in, in a in a time when you know we were stereo. There was no customers going again. Uh, I was, I started in a time when there was stereo. There was no, um, you know, wasn't certainly wasn't five one. There wasn't all these extra player mics and and effects mics and, and all these things. And as we added things along, it, it became more of a, you know. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that, you know, and every once in a while you'd get a shout out from the front and be like, Oh, good audio on that. You know, like, almost like it was a surprise. Like, you know, like, mm, and, I, and I'm like, I, I want to hear everything. I want to hear every single thing. I want to hear every single thing. I want to, I want to hear, you know, everything's going on. And every once in a while you'd get like, hey, that was good audio. And you're like, <laughs> what's the rest of it? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think the one thing I wish I, 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 and, and it's changing. It, it is really. Um, but the reality is that, you know, when I first started there, there wasn't a, you know, kind of a movement to make audio as good as video, hmm. you know, it was television. And then the audio was just kind of a, Oh, as long as we can hear the announcers, the fact that we hear, you know, the quarterback call a play, like, you know, you think about it, you know, 10 years ago, you didn't, you never heard a quarterback call a play. Mm-hmm. You never heard, you never heard anybody, you know, you would have never known that Manning screams Omaha at the end of every play <laughs> or every, every cadence, you know, right. Right. You, that's, that became a thing. Like, you know, yeah. like, but, but you wouldn't have known that, you know, 15 years ago because there wasn't, there weren't any microphones there. Yeah, for sure. Michael. 
Okay. Mike, just, Are oh, we ready? Okay. We're ready. <laughs> it, there's like seven different latencies going on, so it's just it's total mayhem right now. This is fucking awesome, though. Um, so uh, you said you're in Florida, Kevin? I am in Orlando, Florida. Belle Isle, Florida, to be specific. Shout out, Belle Isle. Okay, so um, we're going to get in our van, and uh, we're going to pick up Custer on the way down. Uh, actually, y'all are... Chris and Cousin, y'all kind of neighbors, so yeah, well, yeah, we'll yeah we'll come together. Actually, okay. yeah, you could pick us up. We can take the Amtrak line, and we're yeah. gonna go down to Florida. Okay, and then we're gonna meet Kevin. Kevin, we're gonna go out for uh, food. Where are you taking us? What's the best place around you? What's your favorite place to go? What kind of food? Well, well you got to pick. It's, it's, it's your pick. I have it's to your, pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever. It's a dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. If I'm taking you for food, it's gonna be uh, Kabuki Sushi. Oh, uh, yes. The, the original location, which is on Colonial Drive. Well, Sam's going to be mad um, she wasn't here. She <laughs> loves sushi. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry, Sam. She, do, she doesn't like broadcast, but she likes sushi. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, is, that, is that why she's not here? She's like, like no, boycotting like the four, broadcast it, guy. It's like 4 a.m. in Germany right now. That's why she's not here. <laughs> okay. Well, no still, excuse. I'd have got up for her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'll just listen to that one later uh, no um kabuki sushi uh if you do some due diligence it's uh, k-a-b-o-o-k-i and it is uh the, the executive chef there's a guy named henry masa he's a james beard nominee for rising chef and he's got a real cool kind of uh He's got an omakase that's that's out of this world. We've done that a few times, sitting nice. at the sushi bar and, and his folks, and it's uh, it's really cool. Uh, I like it a lot. Matter of fact, I'm going there Thursday before I go to Hamilton. Oh man, I'm jealous. Oh, wait, uh, uh, the show Thir- Hamilton? Tuesday, Tuesday, today's Thursday. Right. Yeah, Tuesday. I'm going to uh, Hamilton's playing here at the Dr. Phillips Center, so I'll be uh, Michael. Who's is that? Is that um? Is, is, what's I don't know on who's tour? mixing East Coast right now. Um. We can find out. We know anyway, people. We, we we might know who's actually mixing that show. But anyway, um, do they have? Do they have? Do they serve lobster at your sushi place? No, we're not going to go there. Um, but uh, I'll tell you off air about that. Uh, all right, I'll ask my uh, my typical last question here. Um, Wait, does Custer want one? Do we give Custer one? I don't. Is oh he yeah, here? I want one. <laughs> here. I've missed like three quarters of this ahead, episode. Custer. I gotta at least here. get my question in. All right, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go for it, Custer. Go for it. We're, we're out of time. Look at that. I'm sorry. <laughs> this reminds me of that Saturday Night Live. All right, and, and they, roll they commercial. Never get, <laughs> where they, they never get to Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a bit. All right, hit it, Custer. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kevin, if you were not Sir. doing this, what would you be doing? Hmm. Panhandling. Um, no, I'm just <laughs> Solid. So, Respect. So it's, <laughs> I don't think I'd like to work that hard. Uh, no. So realistically, when I, when I, uh, we didn't get into any of my, my history, we could probably spend a whole other podcast on that. Uh, but I used to work on Broadway. Um, strangely enough, uh, I still have my local one card and, uh, I would probably still be working on Broadway, uh, in some form or fashion if I hadn't, uh, gotten bit by the broadcast bug, which happened. I was in, uh, I was in working at Times Square. Uh, and if you remember back a few years ago, 22 or so years ago, um, uh, Vince McMahon had a, a restaurant in, 
Times Square, which is now the Hard Rock Cafe. But uh, they they opened up a, a studio space and they uh, they were going to do a. It was kind of a hybrid. It had the theater, it had front of house, or doing musical acts. There was a conjunction with MTV next door, and they decided to build out an entire broadcast uh, facility in the back and. I was working, uh, I actually was working for Claire at the time um, when Barry Claire was running their, their uh, integration area. And um, I just got bit. I, I couldn't, couldn't stop, you know, the whole thing. I, I saw how the A1s worked when they came in and I, I saw the whole, uh, the whole thing. And I said, this is strangely enough, this is for me. So I started doing well, that. I- I take it that's how it led you. We didn't even talk about. I think that's how you said Vince McMahon. That, that must be how you got into the WWE network. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then eventually uh, we worked. From, we went from there. I, I moved. Uh, I went up to Stanford, and we built out his entire studio, his broadcast studio. When it was a changeover from SD to HD, we built out all new rooms. They put a bunch of Euphonics consoles in there. I put. Uh, I built out Jim Johnston's. Uh, music room that had an SSL 9000J in it. Then we took that out and put a Capricorn in it. Then we took that out, put the 9000J back in. Then we took that out and put the Capricorn back in it. So we, we called it the <laughs> console of summer tour. Uh, but yeah, so I'd probably still be doing that. That's awesome. Nah, that's cool. All right, Kevin, if you, if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? Uh, that's a good one. How would I define my legacy? Um, you know, it's 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 hard. You 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 don't think I, I I'm, I'm getting a little older, as you can tell by the hair. Um, the folks on the on the other end of the podcast won't see the gray hair, but uh, you, you start thinking about your your legacy as you get older, and and you know, and what you want to be known for, and 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 honestly, it's it's really I I want to be known for changing the way people at home got to experience their favorite sport, like their favorite game, their favorite, you know, you know, cause no one's going to remember who Kevin Cleary is, but everyone's going to remember the call for this particular game. The, the you know, the, I mean, I don't, th- I think everybody in there in, in the world remembers, even if they weren't there watching it live or have seen the replay of, of when Muhammad Ali knocked out Frazier and Howard Gozell screaming, down goes Frazier, right? So mm-hmm. the, the fact that right. I'm able to, to, you know, and I'm blessed in, in the ability to, to be able to change the way people experience sports and experience their favorite thing while they're at home. Uh, and, and some of the, some of the, you know, I've got, uh, I don't know, probably another 10 or maybe 12 years left in the business, if, if that. And, uh, you know, the reality is that we don't know what that new call is going to be, like what that mm-hmm. next thing is going to be. And it, it might, it, maybe it hasn't happened yet. But the fact yeah. that you're able to sit in your couch and hear, you know, uh, you know, hear Mookie Bats in the outfield, you know, screaming, hey, I'm not going to get this one, guys, or, you know, or, or hear that that call or hear that pop or you all remember where you were when Joe Theismann's leg snapped or, you know, those kind of things like to be able to, to change the way people experience the moments of their lives that mean something to them. Mm, yeah. even if they don't mean something to us. That that's kind of my legacy or, or that's what I want to be remembered for. 
No, that's that's freaking amazing. But you know what? You, you actually said something that triggered something in my mind. Um, uh, our friend Frank uh, Wardinger, he has a podcast, um, and one of the questions that he asked is, "What?" Uh, and um, uh, this is awful. I'm trying to find his name. Uh, Talking Ears, by the way, is his podcast. But anyway, um, he, he asked this question. He's like, "What is your favorite sound?" So, as someone who works in broadcast and works in sports and, it, and is so focused on capturing these sounds, what is your favorite sound? I, I, I just say it, there's not one specific sound, but there's a, a kind of a genre of sounds, if you will. So, I always like to hear the nuanced sound. Like not the crowd, not the 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 announcer, not the the music, but the nuanced sound. Like things like when when I did X Games, I always wanted to when we would have a camera shooting a guy getting ready to go down the the half pipe. I always wanted to hear them strap the boot in that like cr- that that click click click. Yeah, like you know that mm-hmm. those clicks. Yeah. When I worked on NASCAR, I always wanted to make sure we heard the lug nuts hitting off mm. when, they, when they would take the lug nuts off a tire for a pit stop. I wanted to hear the lug nuts, tink, tink, tink. like I wanted to hear them hitting the ground. Uh, I did the Indy 500 for 15 years, and during the 21 gun salute, I wanted to hear the shells hit the ground. Mm. Right. So I put a microphone down there to hear those things <laughs> because, you know, when the guy shoots, boom, and the sh- and he does this and the shell comes out. If you don't hear it, then you're like, oh, where did it go? Like, you know, mm. so so I, I won't say there's one sound particularly, but it's a it's a group of sounds. And it's that nuanced sound, the, the subconscious sound that you yeah. wouldn't think about unless no, you it's, actually it's that it's that it. full it's that it's that mindset of we talk, talk, talk to people who do like foley and and things like that where it's like you are responsible for creating an environment that people um take for granted that yep. that it that that is the perception of what creates an experience and that, that that is um that's a whole different level of thinking, right? Like, I mean, you know, as a, as a, as a music mixer, I mean, you know, all of the, you're not creating any sounds. You're just reproducing the sounds that are being created. Whereas in broadcast, I mean, if you don't point those mics in that direction, if you don't combine all these things, then yeah, you haven't created that, that same experience. That's, that's, uh, that's amazing. That's, that's so cool. It truly is like live sound. It's like live sound design, essentially, and like catching those things in those moments. It's that's fascinating. I'm still terrified to mix a truck, but man, that is that is really cool. Well, but that's I think that's actually what's you know we talked to Sam last night about this. I think that's actually what fascinates me about broadcast most is that art of bringing all of those elements together like um you know the parabolic you know, parabolic mics the the mm-hmm. all the different you know the mics in in in, in bases and all these different things like just uh, the the amount of attention that has to go to to creating experience that man when i'm on my couch three beers deep eating buffalo wings i'm just not thinking about what it takes but i'm like i know i'm enjoying this experience you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? so yeah we yeah. put but so i i I put a bunch of mics in the infield. So I got MLB and the, and the players association to let me put microphones and um, their, their aqua mics. And we buried them in the grass, in the infield, right on the front of the plate. So right where, so the plate 
sits here and then there's the, the dirt area and then that first lip of the grass because when a ball gets hit, the sonic the sonic signature goes in two ways like this, right? So it goes down and it goes up. Well, they certainly wouldn't let me hang microphones over the players because that would be bad. <laughs> uh, but we put them down in the grass and uh, one of the – and I, I'm remiss in, in remembering the players' names because I don't really know them all. But a guy that plays for uh, a team, <laughs> let's just say, <laughs> uh, hit a home run. And I read in USA Today that so-and-so's home run sounded like absolute thunder. Nice. And it went like 470 feet or whatever it was. But but to read that in the paper and, – and, and they couldn't describe like – why it sounded like that right like they, they right, couldn't tell right. you the reason it sounded like that is because there were microphones in the in the grass you know but the fact that i could read that in the paper knowing that i knew how it sounded like that but they didn't yeah. was was enough of it like you said you know it's one of those things that you just feel so cool about right that's awesome well Kevin, appreciate your time. We obviously could have talked more on other things, but you know we, we scratched enough itch here. I, I, I appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, come out and see a show at some point. That would be that'd be a lot Please, of fun. Please, I would love it. 